Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning. And happy second Sunday of Advent. It's good to be with everyone today. Well, have you ever been enthralled with what you were experiencing at a given moment that you wished, so wished, that things could remain that way forever? I know that I have. I can think back to some of the travels that Sharon and I have made, such as one late afternoon and early evening in July 2007, when we were on the shores of the awe-inspiring Loch Lomond in Scotland. The grandeur of the very large lake, the surrounding Scottish mountains and mostly agrarian countryside, and the medieval ruins on a small hill above the lake were so breathtaking that I wanted for us to be able to just stay there for the rest of our lives. That was even more true a few hours later, after we had dinner at a Scottish inn, and then with the daylight still present, but waning and moving towards sunset, we hiked up to the top of a larger hill around 9.30 p.m. I would have paid to have time stop as we overlooked the lock on one side of the hill and saw on the other side rolling farmland stretching as far as the eye can see, speckled with occasional clusters of lights signifying small towns. Now that's wanting to stop things because of a good reason, but maybe we have such a longing for permanence um, that arises from sadnesses or challenges we face, the desolations that Father Morgan sometimes talks about. Just two days ago, I met for the first time since the pandemic started with two friends from my first full-time job. Up until the pandemic, we had been occasionally meeting for lunch ever since a reunion of my former co-workers had been held back in 2017. On Friday, we talked pretty much in depth about the joys and the challenges we'd faced since we last met. None of us was unhappy, but there was also a palpable, unspoken sense of longing for a better, more permanent state of things without the trials that we had undergone. And whether we, any or all of us in this room, long for permanence due to positive or negative experiences, perhaps we can identify with the hope of the songwriters who reflected, maybe you'll get what you wanted. Maybe you'll stumble upon it. Everything you ever wanted in a permanent state. That's uh, from Coldplay's White Shadows. Well, we're now in the season of Advent at the start of the Christian year here at Corpus Christi. And I don't know about you, but to me, Advent for most of my life has been kind of nebulous. Um, Lent, I get, we undergo a season of repentance. And then afterward, we walk through a series of church services with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through recreating his earthly agonies in preparation for the celebration of the resurrection at the great feast of Easter. That's easy for me to understand. It's, it's concrete. But during Advent, we Christians both look forward to the second coming of our Lord 
and Savior, as Father Morgan mentioned last week. And we prepare for the remembrance and celebration of his first coming at the great feast of Christmas. That two-pronged focus is not as easy for me to grasp or balance devotionally. And in the past, my Advent devotional practices have too often been inconsistent. This year, I have determined to follow my devotional practice for Advent more conscientiously in order to live into the season more fully. But I would like to suggest that however we observe Advent, it is in part a season in which we live into a sense of longing for things to be in a permanent state. And that state is one that can only be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's good news this morning. Our Old Testament reading this morning points us to a promised coming permanent state that will surpass anyone's wildest longings. Isaiah 11.1 describes a a ruler as a shoot coming up from the stump of Jesse and as a branch coming from Jesse's roots. Now, Jesse was the father of Israel's greatest king, David. By the time the prophet Isaiah appeared on the scene in the 700s BC, the Israel that had been united under King David some two to three centuries earlier had been divided into northern and southern kingdoms. Isaiah prophesied mostly in Jerusalem, which was the central city of the southern kingdom, Judah, and which contained the temple, the historic center of Israel's religious life since the rule of David's son Solomon. During Isaiah's time, the rulers of Judah ranged from bad to at best mixed um, in their leadership and in their devotion to God. And the glories of David's time were long in the past. And yet chapter 11 finds Isaiah prophesying in a time of little hope about one of David's descendants who would usher in an unparalleled era of peace. Centuries later, some Jews were discouraged that Isaiah's prophesied ruler had not yet appeared. They applied the term that we heard in our New Testament reading, Root of Jesse, to a longed-for Messiah, an anointed one of God who would reverse Israel's fortunes under foreign rule. Um, And then variations on all three terms shoot, branch, and root, appear beyond the scriptures in other Christian literature and hymns over time. And from a Christian perspective, there are at least three things to consider about the root of Jesse that this passage invites us to ponder, and that we should long for as we seek to live a holy advent. Number one, we should long for the root of, the root of Jesse himself, who is our present and future king, Jesus Christ. Isaiah describes a coming ruler in verses 2 through 3 of chapter 11, who, empowered by the Spirit of the Lord, possesses wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, and delight in the fear of the Lord. In other words, the ruler is filled with and directed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus provides us with the perfect example of a life lived with God and a life given over in obedience to God. Furthermore, we are told in the scriptures on several occasions that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Now, in the remainder of verse 3 through verse 5, we are told that this, of Isaiah 11, we are told that this ruler will not judge based on sight and sound alone, but will judge people 
particularly the poor who had been denied justice by authoritarian rulers, with righteousness and equity. In fact, righteousness and faithfulness are depicted as undergirding everything he does. Um, and here, we might hear an echo of 1 Samuel 16, 7, which asserts that we are fallen, sinful human beings who tend to judge on outward appearances, while God, instead, looks at the heart. So Isaiah's coming ruler is a just judge, even when, as we see in verse 5, he judges the wicked individuals and groups who have previously oppressed the poor. Now, many of us who have been Christians for a considerable length of time know these characteristics of Jesus. We know of them from reading the scriptures. We perhaps know many more of them personally, as we have walked with Jesus over the course of however long it has been since we came to trust him and committed our lives to him. We have known him as our Savior, who forgives our sins. We have known him as our Lord, and hence our King. And yet we are also well aware that there is much we have not seen of his rule. We sometimes see our health or our financial stability decline. And Jesus does not appear to be on the throne. We lose our loved ones over time to death. And Jesus' kingship seems incomplete. We saw Russia start war against Ukraine this year. And to mix images used by Paul and Isaiah, the creation groans and we long to see swords beaten into plowshares. And for some of us, worst of all, at what might well be the lowest time in our lives, whatever might be the cause of that low point, we experience the terrifying silence of God. So we know that things are not yet as they should be. Advent comes along each year and invites us to live into the tension between Jesus' reign now, when his kingdom is now, but not yet at the same time, and the coming consummation of his reign. In the meantime, we love Jesus best to the best of our fallen abilities and obey him as Lord. And we long for Jesus. We long for him just for who he is. We long for the strength he can give us as we traverse through many dangers, toils, and snares, to quote Amazing Grace. And we long for his deliverance for us and the consummation of the kingdom that is now and not yet. And so we sing in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, what we just sang a few minutes ago. O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, from every foe deliver them. Then trust your mighty, that trust your mighty power to save and give them victory or the grave. But what if for some reason... We don't long for, or at least find it hard to long for, Jesus. To take another scenario, a very different one, what if we need to know more about this Jesus who should be the object of our longings? Well, that is a good reason to talk to Father Morgan or Father Ryan, our priests. In some cases, it might point to, the, to a need for the blessings of sacramental confession, which Father Morgan is happy to schedule upon request. So, we first uh, should long this Advent season for the root of Jesse, Jesus himself, as we travel through this life. Number two, we should long for the gifts 
and the virtues that Jesus can give us as we follow after him. The gifts that Isaiah lists in verses 2 through 3 have been recognized throughout Christian um, history by figures as varied as St. Augustine, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and St. Thomas Aquinas as the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit and as gifts that are given to God's people, the church. The late, F, the late Father F.P. Harton, the Anglican Dean of Wales in England, in his book, The Elements of the Spiritual Life, notes that these gifts are given to us by God's grace and that, quote, the purpose of grace is the reproduction of Jesus in human souls, unquote. Let me repeat that again. The purpose of grace is the reproduction of Jesus in human souls. So God gives us the sevenfold gifts and the other gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul mentions in his letter, such as in 1 Corinthians 12, to make us more like Jesus. And this is one way that Jesus reigns in the here and now. We don't have the time to go through each one of the seven gifts in detail um, that are listed in Isaiah, although Harton's book provides a good discussion. However, if we just briefly consider spiritual gifts in relationship to the two great commandments, um, loving God, God and loving our neighbors, it shouldn't take lengthy reflection to see how the gifts aid us in obeying those two commandments and leading us in the service of God and of others. It is important to stress here that in Isaiah 11, we are talking about gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just natural talents, although some Christians believe that there are always not strict demarcation lines between the two. So we should long for the spiritual gifts that God can give us, as in a way they are companions along our journey as we travel between the now and the not yet throughout this life. And as Father Morgan has mentioned, there are many ways to use our gifts here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Some of those you might hear about um, in a sermon, or you might hear about in announcements during the worship service, or you might see them mentioned in the weekly emails that go out. Um, there's a variety of ways, and you can always ask the clergy. Now, associated with the sevenfold gifts in Christian thought are the virtues of the Christian life. So far this Advent, we have lit two candles relating to two of the three primary virtues. The first candle represents what? Does anyone know? Yes. Hope. Hope. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, and the second candle from just a few minutes ago represents? Huh? Love. Love? No. Good guess. Anyone? Say again. Peace. Peace. Uh, no, not that's another good guess. I'll tell you, faith. It's faith. Faith is the second. Faith is the second can, candle. And so, thinking of examples from our from the communion of saints of of hope and faith, today Father Morgan has placed here an icon by Andrei Rublev, who was a 15th century Russian iconographer. This is an icon of John the Baptist. It will be in our sanctuary once we move to Prince of Peace Lutheran in January. Normally, this icon is paired with two other icons. One of Mary, the mother of God, and one of Jesus. If, you, if we had the three set up here, you'd see Mary on the left, Jesus in the center, and John on the right. 
Both Mary and John tilt their heads toward Jesus and both extend their hands in petition toward Jesus. In some versions of Rublev's icon of John, John holds a scroll in his right hand with the words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We heard about John's call for repentance in our gospel reading today. So a holy advent can and perhaps should involve first longing for Jesus and secondly longing for the gifts and virtues that he gives. Number three of three. We should long for the kingdom of God's full realization. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 6 through 9 gives us an astonishing vision of what the future looks like under Jesus' reign. Animals will not eat or kill each other. Children, even babies, will play with animals without harm. There will be no injury and no death anywhere. Why? Quote, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Do you remember, for those of us who are here, Father Morgan's discussion last week of how anyone from any nation can come to God's light when we looked at Isaiah 2, chapter 2? When that happens, the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord. And remembering a sermon series from a month or two back, the same idea is found in the writings of the prophet Habakkuk, who wrote perhaps 100 years after Isaiah. This idea also finds reflections in Paul's words in our New Testament reading today. In Romans 15:12, he quotes Isaiah 11:10 as a foundation for his argument that um, God's offer of salvation is now open to Gentiles as well as Jews. And so Jewish and Gentile believers in Jesus should welcome one another. Since the gospel is open to both groups, the earth can be full of the knowledge of the Lord. So at the consummation of all things, there will be no more war, no more hunger, no more pain, no more death. That state of affairs is not yet, but it is promised to us firmly and unshakably from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, thirdly, we should long for the kingdom of God's full realization. But what if we long for these three things? Jesus, the gifts and virtues he provides, and the full realization of his kingdom. And those longings do motivate us to love and serve both God and others and God and others over time and over our life. What then? What awaits us? We are told in the scriptures that there will be unimaginably wonderful things of which we have no conception. Nevertheless, some writers have sought to imagine it. I have, since at least college years, been moved, for example, by J.R.R. Tolkien's imagining of people reliant on grace, reliant on grace, being brought out of great dangers, healed by a king, and then brought before that king where he places them at his right and left hands. There's a lot of biblical imagery there, and even more so in details I haven't mentioned. And that came out unconsciously on Tolkien's part because his faith was so ingrained in him. But what we do know about what wakes us is that we will have resurrected bodies after death and we'll see our King, our Lord, and our God, uh, to quote the Apostle Thomas, face to face. This is what Christians historically have called the, uh, the beatific vision. 
And so, while we are still on this journey, we might agree with another songwriter that, quote, I'll not be satisfied until my hope and my eyes both alight on that view. What view? The view of the resurrected Jesus in the flesh, still bearing the wounds that he received on the cross. And as the songwriter continues, quote, There I'll leave longing behind, I'll discard my desires when I'm resting in you. And that's from a song called Zion by the band My Epic. So for now, we might well long for a permanent state, either due to good events in our lives, bad events, or challenging some events somewhere in the middle between the two. Still, our longings will not last forever. In the meantime, may we live a holy advent, one of uncommon transformation, by longing for Jesus, for the gifts and virtues that he gives us so that we can serve God and others on this sojourn we call life, and for the full realization of Jesus' kingdom that we will know at the consummation of all things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.